But anyway, I'm excited I get to share with you this morning. I'm John. I'm the youth pastor. And, um, and yeah, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. Pastor Ked is gone. He is at his parents' 50th wedding anniversary party with his siblings and different people. 50 years is a very, very long time. Um, yeah? So um, anniversaries are great, are great. They're worthy to be celebrated. Uh, my parents' anniversary, 39 years, um, was on Friday. I found that out on Saturday when... <laughs> When I got a text from my mom saying, our anniversary was great, thanks. And it was like really passive aggressive. I felt bad, um, but she'll get over it. Um, but anyway, uh, so, so what, you know, anniversaries, they are, are wonderful, um, times to be celebrated. But um, to, so when he was leaving, he said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you share. And I said, okay, well, uh, what do you want me to talk about? So you can talk about whatever you want, or you can continue in the series. I said, I'll just do that. That way it's easier. And so there I was, committed. And then I read First uh, Peter 3, and, uh, and then I regretted it. And I learned not to commit to preach something before I knew what the verses said. Um, but we're just going to work on uh, verses 1 through 7, and, um, and it pertains to husbands and wives, okay? Um, and, and so it kind of goes with the... the the marriage and wedding theme um, that's going on, but um, but yeah, it's just a it's and even if you're single, I hope that you can get um, something out of this, either as what's coming down the pike or or just how to how to treat people in general. Um, but but yeah, um, who you marry is a very very big deal, and all the married people said amen. Um, so let's pray as we get started. Heavenly Father, I pray uh, this morning that you would speak, that we would hear your words uh, and hear from you uh, exactly what we need. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so last week it was um, pertaining mostly to submitting to authority that's, that's in our lives, which is tough. Um, you know, submitting to government authority, it was tougher for them because uh, their government authority was wanting to kill them and persecute them for um, what they were doing. So it would make sense that they would want to rise up and revolt against it. But, um, but Peter's telling them to, to submit in that. Um, and, and then also was talking about employer to employee relationship, um, submitting to, to your employer, the one um, you know, that's been in authority over you. And so these seven verses um, talk about submission as well and, and just dealing with husbands and wives. And, um, and so... Uh, one of the seven verses are, uh, are for men, and six of them are instructions for women. And so I don't know if that's because women need more instruction or because, or because Peter knew that men would just get distracted and, and stop focusing and we could only focus on one at a time. So uh, whichever it is, only one for the men. And we're going to start there because it's always ladies first, so we get to go first today, gentlemen. Um, but before we get into it, I just wanted to, a quick reminder of the society in which uh, Peter's talking to. Uh, the, the men that he's talking to probably at one time walked up to another man and said, I'd like to marry your daughter. I have a donkey and a goat and some pigeons and some grain. How about it? And, and so like they literally took all these possessions, gave them to somebody else, bought their wife, in a, in a, so to speak, right? Um, so that was how they came to be married, and, and so with that, 
you know, they a lot of times treated women as property, and, and they weren't um, they weren't treated with, with dignity or respect, and, and sometimes they were, I'm, I'm absolutely sure, but um, they didn't have the right to be, or there was nothing forcing the man to, to do that. And so, um, you know, if, um, if they stepped out of line, you know, the, the husband could do whatever he wanted, right? And, and the Bible wasn't condoning of that, um, the way that things were done. It wasn't, uh, there wasn't a blessing on it from Scripture, but um, it was the way of the time. It was a, a man-made uh, tradition that uh, people followed. And so that's the culture that Peter's talking to here, um, understanding he's talking to people who believe their wives are property that are there to, uh, just for them. And so um, 1 Peter 3, 7, because we're going to start with the guys, so verse 7 first, um, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Okay, and we'll pause there. Um, so Husbands should be considerate. What does that mean, right? To be considerate is consider them, right? Think about them, their needs, their wants, their dreams. Um, put yourself in their shoes, uh, you know, really just looking at them and, and th- seeing how they would want to be treated and considering that and, and then hopefully responding to that, treating them in that way. Um, you know, if your wife isn't meeting your expectations, maybe it's not her problem. Maybe it's your expectations problem. And, and you need to fix that, right? That, um, you know, the, uh, if, you came, if, you, if you get home from work and are tired and just want to sit there and watch SportsCenter, um, you know, there are times that that's definitely what I want to do, especially right now. There's playoff baseball, there's football, there's college football, there's hockey, if you're into that. There's NBA starting up soon. Um, and, and so there's a lot of stuff to take in, but we really need to make sure we're focused on what's important first, right? We need to make sure that we are, um, are thinking of our wives, that we are, um, if you have kids, being active in, in raising your kids. Um, and, and so it's not, just, it's not just, okay, you do all that stuff, and, you know, you're just, uh, you're just here to, to help me. Um, no, that's not it. And we were, in our small group, we did a study this last week, and um, the men were all together, and there was this guy with a cool mustache that was um, teaching, Paul Tripp. I don't know if you guys have ever seen him, but he's got an awesome mustache. And, um, and he said he brought it back to, uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and how um, God looked at Adam and said it is not good for man to be alone and so he made Eve and he said he didn't look at Adam and say wow you're, do- you're such a perfect specimen um, you are, are everything that you need I'm going to make somebody just to do all, of the, all the stuff you don't want to do I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a helper right? He didn't, he didn't make Adam a helper he, made, he saw Adam and said you need help and so he made him help like somebody to compliment him um, in all the ways that he lacked, somebody to, to be there for him and bring him along. Um, and, and so we need to, to remember that that's what we have in our wives and, um, and that, you know, she's, she has gifts and she has talents and, and God has a plan for her with those gifts and talents that he gave her. And so we need to make sure that we are, are encouraging growth in that and development in that and, and sometimes creating space and getting out of the way so that that can happen. Um, because it's important. Uh, she's worth being considered and honored and respected. Um, so next chunk of this verse. Um, Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect. As the weaker partner and as heirs with you of, gracious, of the gracious gift of life. Okay, so weaker, what does he mean here? Um, does he mean like physically strength weaker? Probably not. Um, guys, raise your hand if you can lift more weights, like if you had to bench press, could you lift more weights than your wife? 
Raise your hand. Raise, oh, there's some shyness going on. Okay. Um, okay. For those of you who can't, um, don't worry. I got your back. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. And I don't want you to hurt your shoulder because the arms weigh a lot. Um, and no. But, um, but, but it's not just weaker, right? And there are plenty of, uh, uh, you know, typically men can lift more of a weight than, than their wives. But um, that's not what he's talking about because there are definitely exceptions. Um, there are women who could probably beat all of us up um, for sure. I went to a weightlifting class uh, not too long ago at the Y. Amanda, there you are. Um, Amanda was teaching this class, this weightlifting class, and I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. She sent it out to our life group and, um, and was like, you know, hey, anybody that wants to come, we'll get you there. So it was me and some women, and I was like, this is going to be really easy. The weights were puny. And uh, so I grabbed a bunch, and we start going, and we don't stop. And, like, that was the part I missed, that it was going to be constant for, like, an hour. And at, like, 45 minutes, I started seeing reds and blues that weren't there before, and I was, like, sweating heavily, and I thought, I'm going to pass out. And Amanda said, don't pass out. And so I sat down, and she was up there doing, like, all of the stuff and talking. And so, um, anyway, uh, it, was, it was pretty humbling, um, but uh, that's okay. It happens sometimes. Um, so it wasn't just, it's not just the strength part, right? Um, it's definitely not weaker as far as, like, what, like, pain tolerance, because uh, we've had two kids. I've been in the room. Um, I've seen what pain looks like, and I didn't like it. Um, and, and Aaron is always wanting me to do, have you ever seen the videos where they put the electrodes on the guys and make them feel it? Uh, she always wants me to do that. Just wants to see me hurt. Um, it's horrible, but, um, but we're not doing that today. Uh, so it's definitely not about pain endurance. So what does it mean by, by weaker? Um, really, when you take the, the weaker vessel phrase that he says, um, what, he's, what it's talking about or what it could be translated as is like priceless pottery. Um, or this, um, you know, kind of like fine china almost, or, or like a, a porcelain vase, okay? Um, and so you have this, this fine china that you, um, what do you do with it? You, like, you display it, you, um, you kind of take pride in it. You don't just set it down and let the dog eat off of it. You don't um, put the kids' food on it because they'll just throw it on the floor. Um, hopefully not at our kids' age, but like when they're babies. Um, and, you know, they, they just, you know, you wouldn't, you would treat it, with respect, right? You would treat it to, to be, um, to keep it nice, and you wouldn't take out frustration on it. You wouldn't um, fill it with garbage because it's, you know, your garbage can's full, so you just start throwing it in this priceless vase. You wouldn't do that. Um, you, would, you would be extra careful with it, extra considerate with it, um, and, and you would take care of it, right? Um, you know, that's, that's um, she, your wife, is not a piece of fine pottery where She's just supposed to sit there and look nice and, um, and whatever, but, um, but it is, uh, she is something that you should hold high value, right, that you need to, um, to take care of and, and care about. Um, and what Peter is telling these guys to do, this, it's not normal. This wasn't a normal thing for them to hear. Like, okay, I, I purchased her with the donkey, remember? And so why am I supposed to care about her? Why am I supposed to take care of her? I don't get it. And he answers the question. He says, um, she is your partner, right? And she's just as much of a child of God. She's, she's going to be, an, she's an heir with you in the, in the glorious gift of life, right? She is one of God's daughters, right? How are you going to treat God's daughter like garbage and then approach him when you, when you go to meet him, right? 
and be like, oh, yeah, you, 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 know, yeah, you gave me this, this wife, and I, and I didn't really treat her very kindly, right? Um, that's not what we're supposed to do. Um, so I think, I think men really, all, I'm guessing all of you, I know the guys in our, in our small group, um, we value our wives. We love them like crazy. Um, we all definitely have our faults, but we do our very best to, to love them and show them that they're loved. Um, but even with our best intentions, we can still sometimes fall short and, and love our wives the same way that the men Peter's talking to treated their wives, right? Um, where, we, where we just mess up and we don't do very good. Um, we have to fight against that, right? We really need to see her value, her importance, and, and treat her that way, right? We need to treat her like the porcelain vase that is priceless and so important and not treat her the way we typically treat porcelain, right? Um, we need to make sure that we aren't just coming home and making her deal with all of our crap, right? We're, um, we're not just forcing that on her. Um, she's not just there to flush all of our problems away. Um, she's, you know, she's our wife. She is there um, for us to love and help um, in, in every way that we can. Um, and he ends this verse for the guys um, with, uh, with this very last little part that we could just read and move on from. Um, but uh, he says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And a lot of times we just pass by that, but when he says so that nothing will hinder your prayers, what he's saying there is if you don't do this verse the right way, if, if you mess this up, your prayers will be hindered. If you're not leading your family in the right way, if you're not taking care of your, or your wife in the right way, if you're not treating her how I've called you to, your prayers will be hindered, or your relationship with God will suffer, is what he's saying. This is a big deal, so we need to make sure that we take it uh, very seriously, okay? Um, before we move on to the, to the women's part, I want to just mention really quick um, this part, and I always talk about this during premarital counseling and different things, um, but, you know, marriage is made up of two sinful people, right? We're both sinners, and, um, and both sinners who want joy, want happiness, right? And typically want joy and happiness for the other person. And so, um, you know, the best way that it works is if I say to, to my wife, to Erin, I say, I want your joy more than I want mine. And then she says, I want your joy more than I want mine. And then we work at those things to where we're putting each other first, right? Um, and, and that works so well. And somehow that brings so much more joy than me just saying, I'm going to work on my joy, you work on yours. We can't ever get to the same level as if we put each other first. And so... Um, what happens, though, because we're sinful, is a lot of times I will start putting my joy first and forgetting about hers. And the natural uh, reaction would be for her to say, well, what are you doing, you idiot? Uh, you know, I'm going to start worrying about myself, right? And then two people becoming selfish and, and separating, right, and, and being pushed farther apart. And, and there's distance that happens there. Um, I think what has to happen at times, because... The times where somebody gets selfish, that's going to happen. Your husband, your wife is going to do that at some point. Um, and what you have to do is say, even though they're putting themselves first right now, I need to continue being selfless and putting them first. And, and eventually they will see that, and it will snap, and, they'll, and, and they will snap back into it. Um, but it's gonna, it might feel like for a little while like you're carrying extra weight, and that's okay um, and because they're going to have to do it for you at some point. Um, but, but it's worth fighting for, uh, you know, your marriage in that way. It's worth um, working at. Uh, so, so anyway, let's move on to the beginning now of chapter 3, to the, to the ladies' part. Um, 
So this is verses 1 and 2. It says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husband, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, but when they, by when they see their purity and the reverence of your lives. Okay, so, so this is talking to um, Christian women, okay, so women who have been saved or come to faith, uh, but their husbands have not. Okay, this would have been a very precarious position for a woman to be in because choosing to, follow, like choosing to follow Christ could have been seen as going against her husband, which would have left her open to him leaving her, which if, if a wife was left in that time, um, there was a stigma. There was, it, it was just her, her life was a wreck after that. Um, and so he could have left her. He could have beaten her. He could have um, worse, right? Um, and, and so she's leaving herself open. And what Peter here is saying is, don't, don't go home and, and cause a bunch of waves. You know, go home and don't go home and preach to your husband and try to save them, but show them Christ through your actions. Show them Christ as you live your life. Um, submit to them, obey them, love them, um, but, you know, kind of don't, don't force what you believe on them. Um, and it was almost out of, out of good advice for them, right? Um, and so that he could, he, could, uh, he could be won by their actions. Um, then he goes into looks, okay? And he says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight, okay? Um, so he starts talking about, about looks. Um, raise your hand if, ladies, if you like someone telling you how you should dress or what you should look like. There were a couple in first service. I was a little bit surprised. Yes, none in here. Nobody wants to be told, hey, you're supposed to wear this. You're not supposed to wear this. Uh, don't do that. And, and it sounds like that's what Peter is doing here. Um, he's not, he's, he's not uh, saying don't do your hair, don't put on makeup, don't shower, don't, you know, whatever. He's not saying those things. What he's saying is don't let your beauty come from that. Don't let that be the source of your beauty, right? Your beauty is supposed to be... Um, from what flows out from inside, right? What kind of a person you are, how you treat people, um, and, and that is where your true source of beauty comes. Uh, Proverbs 31 gives a picture of a, of a woman who is beautiful on the inside, and the whole chapter talks about, um, uh, or a lot of it talks about how, you know, she, t- she cares for her family, she does all these things, she's taking care of, of business, she's doing all this great stuff. Um, we're going to read uh, 25 through 30. It says, she's clothed with strength and dignity, she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do, do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Okay, so that is a, that is a picture of of someone who's not just focused on the outside, of someone who's not just only worried about what, what they look like or what people see when they see them, but it's somebody who is, is confident, you know, whether, whether they're wearing the right clothes or the right shoes or their eyebrows are, are right or on fleek or whatever, um, you know, the, it, like they're not worried about all the things that, that society is worried about. They're worried about what's on the inside. They're worried about what's coming out of their heart. Um, and so, uh, then he, he also, on that same little chunk, on the same verse, or verse 4, he said, um, the unfading beauty 
of a gentle and quiet spirit. Okay, I know, I don't know all of you ladies, but I know some of you, and I could name a few who quiet is not how people would describe you, and um, that maybe, maybe like just loud would be, <laughs> would be more, um, but uh, as I, as I think about that, um, I think who made these women, and God did, right? So it's not like God made Okay, so I have an example of somebody from Washington. I'm not going to use anybody here. Um, we, had a, we had a friend in Washington State, and we were friends with, their, with her and her husband, and we would go to their house and eat dinner, and we would get in the car, and this it probably happened three or four times as we left them, where we said, that was a ton of fun, but my head hurts, because this lady was the loudest lady on earth. Like, she opened her mouth, and everything was a scream, and it was just joy and crazy coming out of this lady. And, and we had so much fun, but yeah, it was, it was, there wasn't a lot of, of quiet space at all. And, and God made her that way, right? And as she uh, talked to people, she was loud and encouraging. And as she lived her life, there was just joy flowing out that could be heard. Like if she was in with the children right now, you would hear her every second of it. Um, and, and like it's just, it's just all of this good pouring out of her, right? Um, He's, God it did not say, okay, yeah, I made you that way, but you need to kind of be more quiet and get, get away. Like, we want, we want to be able to focus. And No, he didn't. He made her, and, and what he's saying in this scripture is um, instead of, like, instead of thinking a gentle, like, you know, petting a cat or something, um, think of, like, not harsh, right? Don't be harsh with people or with your husband. And when he says quiet spirit, it's not talking about literally quiet. It's talking about not trying to fight, not trying to pick fights, not causing drama, um, not looking for things to, um, to cause issues, right? Um, Bible does talk a lot about um, women who do those things, okay? Proverbs 21.9 says, It's better to live in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife, okay? So you'd rather, like, go off by yourself in the attic or on the, on the roof. Um, Proverbs 21.19 says, It's better to live in the desert land than with a quarrelsome or fretful woman, right? Better to live in the desert. How do you live in the desert? You either don't or it's not very fun. Um, and they're saying that's better than living in your house with a quarrelsome or fretful woman. Um, Proverbs twenty-seven fifteen: a continual dripping, drip, 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 on a rainy day, and a quarrelsome wife are alike. They are similar. Um, and so it's like, the, it's like, that's a form of torture, I think. And, and he's saying that that's the same as, some, as a wife who's trying to constantly pick fights and constantly, oh, you should have done this. Oh, you didn't do that well enough. Oh, what's, why did you do this? Oh, you shouldn't have said that. Why do you look like that? Why is your hair not done? Um, those, <laughs> I do a couple of those, um, and I need the, I need the help. But, um, but constantly looking for things to pick at, women, that is, that's, it can feel like you're being helpful, but it's, it can also feel like torture a little bit. Um, and so, so be aware of that. Don't look to stir up, you know, issues. Don't try to start fights. Um, really, what, what your husband needs, even though he deserves probably um, all of the things that you're saying, you're exactly right. You know, you're, there are so many things that we could do that are better. Um, uh, sometimes what he needs is just you to be on his team and you to encourage him and, and be there for him and um, lift him up in prayer and, and just in your actions. Um, 
you know, he needs, he needs you on, on his team. Um, so moving on. Verse 5 and 6 say, For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Okay, so I don't know very much about how um, women think or I, I sometimes say the wrong things, but I think I am way better at it than Peter. He says a lot of, uh, he make, his, what he says makes me think he doesn't know women very well um, because all women love to be told like, hey, do what your mother or grandma, you should be more like your mother or grandma, right? Do women love that? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm off base, but I don't think um, women, when you picture, okay, who do I want people to perceive me as? Holy women of the past is not going through um, your mind probably, right? Um, but, but he's saying you can learn a lot from the women who have gone before you. You can learn a lot of valuable lessons. You can see where they found their joy. You can, um, there's so much good to looking to, um, you know, women of the past who have um, been kind of, you know, the, whether it's the matriarch of your family or whoever, like looking at, at them and how they lived can be so beneficial. Um, and he also tells the w- women again, and this time Christian wife to Christian husband, he tells them again to submit. And real quick, men, he does not ever say, men, make sure your wife submits, right? It's never, hey, you better force this to happen because, um, you know, if she doesn't do it, you need to pick up the slack and make her submit. That's not what it says. It doesn't even say we should remind them, hey, by the way, remember, you have to submit. Um, we're not supposed to do that either. Um, it's supposed to be them willingly submitting, Right? to submitting to their husbands because they first submitted to Christ. And, um, and so what does that look like, okay? Um, if you're deciding where to go to lunch after this and your husband's like, oh, we should go to Skyline Chili. And you're like, no, uh, I was thinking Panera. And you can't come to an agreement. Should you get ready for some chili dogs? Is that what that means? No, right? I hope, I hope that you're saying no. That's not what that means. Um, it, it, no, you absolutely do not have, that's not one of the times where submitting comes in. There's actually, uh, I believe, only one time when uh, biblical, a wife submitting to her husband is, is valid or is, is supposed to happen. And that is when a decision needs to be made and the husband and wife have talked about it, they've bathed it in prayer, they have thought about it, talked back and forth and, and spent serious time on it. And the husband says, I think God's leading in this direction. And the wife says, I think God's leading in this direction. And at that point, if, if there can't be a coming together and figuring it all out, then that's where biblical submission says, wife, jump on board, right? You chose your husband um, and a long time ago, and maybe, and, and jump on board. But the husbands, this is a big, big deal. And this is not something to take lightly, to constantly pull this card and be like, oh, remember, you need to submit. Um, like, this is something where you better make sure it's God leading in this direction. Like, you, you better, and, and by that I mean um, make sure you're spending plenty of time praying about it, um, fasting about it, doing all the things that we do to seek God's will, um, because you don't want to be wrong when you pull that card. And, and God can still work through that, and, um, but, but just, you know, make sure um, sort of thing, right? You don't want to. You don't want to um, push that into the wrong to the wrong spot. Um, 
as I, you know, as, as I was working on this, I was trying to think of, of when an example in our, in our marriage of this has happened, and I text Erin to make sure, because I don't have nearly as good of a memory as she does, and I said, I don't think this has ever happened for us, right? And she confirmed. Um, there's never been a time where I said, this is what we're doing, get on board, right? And, um, and part of that is because every time that I've felt like God was leading a direction, and I start to talk to her, she's like, yeah, I, I agree, he is. And, or, um, and this has probably happened more, where she says, I think God is leading this direction. I'm like, really? Okay, I didn't, I didn't get that, but um, let, me, let me pray about it. And, and it hasn't taken long, and, and God reveals that to me as well. And, um, and so we've always, we've always been able to be on the same page. And I don't know, that, that's not how it works. I, I submitted this morning a little bit. Uh, she laid out my clothes. Um, I woke up. I woke up, and they were just laid on the floor, so I'd have to step over them, and I couldn't miss them, and I was like, okay, clearly she wants me to look better than I normally do, um, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's very helpful to me, actually. Um, I love it, but, um, but anyway, as we, as we close and, and you know, get ready to, um, to take communion, we, we do have a, the, perfect, um, the perfect example of submission in Scripture, and, and it's Christ, right? Jesus is um, he's in the Trinity. He is one, you know, he, it's God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. They are all God. They are all equal. Um, not one is, is greater than the other. But Jesus willingly submits to the Father. Um, in Matthew 26, 39, says, going, and this is when he's in the, in the garden praying before he's um, crucified. And it says, going a little farther, um, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup and the cup is God's wrath, okay? Um, God's wrath that he had for humanity to punish for our sins, okay? So this cup was going to be poured out on you and on me um, for our sins, and we deserved it. Um, and he says, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus is saying, I don't really want to do this. Like, this is not going to be fun. This is going to hurt. I don't, wanna, I don't want this, this cup to be poured out on me. Is there any other way? Right? And, um, and then he says, but if there isn't another way, then your will be done. Right? I'm going to submit to you, God. And, and so he gets up and he leaves the garden knowing what is awaiting him. So he gets out of the garden. Like you, you imagine he comes out of this, this clearing and it's dark and there's about 300 guards that have come to arrest him. And, and he walks up and, and Judas comes and betrays him. And Jesus says, who, do you, who are you looking for? This is, this is from John 18, because this is a really cool thing that John mentions in, in his version, um, or in his gospel. So uh, he says, who do you seek? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And then this is, where, uh, this, is, this is the quote from Scripture. I am he, Jesus says. And as soon as he said this, they went backwards and fell on the ground. Okay? And the they means all the people that were there to arrest him. So they're like, Jesus is like, I am he. Boom. And they all just fall on their backs, right? These 300 armed guards, not one of them felt in control at that moment, right? I mean, they all knew Jesus is different, right? This is, this is not going to go well. And then when, once that he allowed them to get up, which he asks the question again, they respond again. And a lot of theologians think that's when they were able to stand up is after he said, I am he again. Um, but I bet some of them ran and I bet some were scared, just stuck there. And Jesus says, okay, let's go, and, and goes with them. And Peter, though, who, who we're talking about, he decides, no, I'm going to fight for Jesus. I'm going gonna, 
I'm going to stand up for it. And so he pulls a sword, and he goes to, like, try to, you know, I guess start fighting these guys, and he's going to sacrifice himself to let Jesus get away. And he had to have swung this sword with his eyes closed, because how do you cut somebody's ear off when you're just, you know, he says that he, he cut off a guard's ear. So I'm guessing he closed his eyes and did this, and the guy just went like that and got his ear cut off. Um, and then Jesus heals it, and, and in 52, 53 of, of Matthew 26, it says, um, Jesus says to him, put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think I cannot appeal to my father, and that he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels, okay? Uh, 12 legions of, of angels, roughly 60,000 angels. Could have taken care of those guards very quickly, could have taken care of all of Rome very quickly, um, Jesus didn't need Peter to stand up for him. But this is Jesus who just submitted to the Father's will, right? It's not that God said, nope, this is what I, when, when Jesus was praying, and said, is there another way? It's not that God said, no, and you're doing this whether you like it or not. It's he said, no, this is my plan. And Jesus said, okay. But then Jesus shows us here, he could have said, actually, I changed my mind, I don't want to do it. And God would have sent angels to come and, and save him, right? It was Jesus willingly doing this, but the picture that we see is, is even though Jesus was submitting to God, he still had God's ear very much. And so men, as, even though you are um, leading and, you know, and, and, and guiding your family, make sure you're listening to your wife because she is there to help you. She is, um, God loves her just as much as he loves you. He speaks to her just as much as he speaks to you. And so make sure you're listening um, to the counsel that she's providing. Um, so as that story ends, obviously, Jesus lets the guards up off the ground, and he walks with them, and he allows uh, them to arrest him because he loves us. And this morning, we're, we're doing communion. We got um, the bread and the cup in front here, and, um, and we're celebrating communion, and we celebrate because Jesus made this decision to, um, to say, I created you, I love you, and yet I'm going to let these humans, these creatures that I created, take me, beat me, spit on me, put me on a cross, and I'm going to take God's wrath for people, right, for us. And that's what we're celebrating, because he loved us. Um, and he did this even though he knew all of the sins we would commit. He knew us on our worst day. He still willingly walked out of that garden, let these guards who had no business arresting him, um, arrest him, and and. Yeah, as, as he uh, did that, he was paying the price for us. So um, as the team plays, uh, we, I'm going to pray, and then the team's going to play. As you feel ready, come on up and, and grab um, some bread and, and dunk it in the juice. Um, it's representing Christ's body and his blood that, that he gave for you, um, that he was willing to, to give for you. So um, let me pray. God, we, we thank you for this gift that we didn't deserve. God, it's only uh, because you loved us enough to send Jesus. And Jesus, you, you could have you not faced this, but you did because of your love for us. God, I pray that you'll help us to never take that for granted. Don't ever let us be casual about this time, about about what you did for us, God. Amen.